Welcome to the Save Your Marriage by Restoring the Man podcast, dedicated to all the men who are going through marital problems and want to save their marriages, with host Arturo Henriquez and sponsored by The Fortified Spouse. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this episode of the Save Your Marriage podcast. Uh, as I always do in the intro, um, please, if you can, if you've been listening to this podcast, these episodes, and you like them, please go ahead and leave a rating uh, and possibly some comments. It helps the algorithm push us up further so we can reach more men uh, and more people out there that are looking for this type of content who are going through marital crises uh, and marital problems, and we can help reach them uh, with your help. So I thank you in advance for this. And also, if you want to have a private complimentary call with me, go to www.fortifiedspouse.com forward slash call, C-A-L-L, and you can book a time with me, uh, and we will discuss your particular situation, and I will give you tips and some insights and advice to push you forward um, and hopefully help you in, in saving your marriage as well. So anyways, back to this episode. Now, every therapist has stories, uh, and there's moments in a therapist's you know career when they, you know, they recognize that something shifted, right? And so I've talked to many, many, you know, many, many therapists, and they can tell me their war stories, the times in the trenches of when things just went upside down and they didn't expect it. Um, and uh, there's this particular person uh, that told me something about in their early days. And this kind of resonates because um, it's really why, you know, when, one of the reasons why couples therapy might have some problems, right? Uh, so Billy and Sue, and those aren't their real names, but Billy and Sue were in, in his office, and they've been in his office for some time. And what he recognizes is that every time they came in, they had an argument. And in his mind, those arguments were kind of ridiculous, but they would come back the next week, and over time, he began to wonder, why are they coming back? They acted as if they wanted a referee for their fight to decide who was right and who was wrong over the things that he thought were rather were trivial, were rather insignificant. And it didn't matter who was right or who was wrong. And all he could do was watch the damage unfold. So he, he told me um, that in this one session, the final session, um, at least the final session for them three, whether they kept and went and saw another therapist, uh, we don't know. But in this final session, the three of them were sitting there, and Billy and Susie were once again bringing up their conflict point. Now, at that point, they were there because they felt like they needed to learn how to communicate better. That was the reason why they were going to see a therapist. And as you probably know, you know, communication isn't really the issue. And I've talked about this many, many, many times. You know, communication is just a tool, a skill set, if you will. But communication was really not the issue. They were understanding each other perfectly and they were understanding the therapist perfectly and they were hitting a roadblock. So there they were discussing some things about the house, some things that Billy wanted to change, some things that Susie wanted to change, and neither was agreeing with the other. Both had a different list of the improvements that needed to happen in the house and how they needed to go about it. And the therapist recalls that he remembers that moment where Billy said, can't we and he was trying to find a compromise. And the therapist saw how it shifted 
you know, his body composure shifted when he said, can't we? Susie crossed her arms, crossed her feet, looked at the therapist and said to him, it's my way or the highway. It's my way or the highway. And in that moment, Billy snapped. He didn't say anything. He just got up, grabbed his coat and hit the highway. Literally speaking, he left and never turned back. Now, what they were talking about was completely insignificant in the greater scheme of things. In fact, when it happened, Susie apparently looked completely shocked. And the therapist said, what is surprising to you? You did ask whether it was the highway or your way. You gave him an ultimatum. And he responded, the highway. And she looked at him and she said, I never suspected that there was any other way than my way. And as the therapist recalls, in that moment, he said something that he, he partially regrets. It was in a less than therapeutic way, so to speak. But he looked at her and said, you know what? You're full of crap. And she looked shocked. And, and he said, this whole process, you've been full of crap. Now, most people expect the therapist to play the neutral mediator. And he tried to do that. And he realized that neutral mediation was not helping the process because they kept bringing up the same mundane issues week after week without a willingness to go any deeper. And when he tried to stay neutral, all they did was stay with those minimally effective, you know, not really useful, not really important topics. And indeed, Susie had been full of crap the whole time. The reason was because they had gotten to that point that all they were doing was trying to best each other to find out who could win in this process. And that was what they were coming to the therapist for. They wanted to walk away the winner, to be right, to be the one who was going about this the right way. And the other person was somehow trying to mess up the process. And over and over, they tried to pull the therapist into the process to referee their multiple fights. And here's the problem, guys. Nobody was right in that process. Neither were right about what they were saying and doing. Neither were arguing or talking about things of any significance whatsoever. Both of them were headed down a street that was just a dead end from the very beginning because they never would get off the unimportant and look at anything of importance. And the therapist decided to change vocation. Now, some people would say that those little fights were about bigger things. And I think there is some truth to that, but let's talk about the truth of that. And let's think about how that might be affecting your relationship. I want you to think back on the arguments that you've had. Just kind of quietly, you know, quickly write them down. You don't have to write down a full synopsis, but just some of the headlines of those fights were whether it was about the, you know, the restaurant, the vacation, to have or not have sex, uh, when to have sex, when to feed the kids, when to have kids, when to buy the car, when to buy the house, when to go on vacation, where to go, you know, all those things, all those details that come in life. Write down those places where you disagree, not the topics that came up, but the places where you disagreed. And then I want you to do a careful analysis and ask yourself which one, which one of those topics were truly, truly important. Divide them into the big ones and the little ones. The big ones are those that, you know, they really have to be hammered out. And then the little ones are the ones that really don't really matter. They're insignificant. They're immaterial. I mean, we kind of sometimes get into this mindset 
where the little things are big, and then the big things, there's no room for them. I think about that when I watch as people argue about where to go for dinner. That simple decision of where to go for dinner can turn into a ginormous blow-up. Sometimes they act as if it's the last meal they'll ever have on earth, and they have to pick the right place every single time. And yet, probably tomorrow night, there's going to be another decision on where to eat or what to have. And yet, we act like there's such a big deal. So much so that they're constantly inflicting a little bit of damage on the relationship because they're acted out as if they were the big deciding factors of life. In reality, they're small stuff. And so just divide out the ones that are the big ones, the ones that really are pivotal points in life that can change the direction of a relationship. And then the rest are the little ones. Now, as you step back, you're going to notice a couple of things about that. The big ones really, truly do not need to be settled. But when you're trying to settle the big ones, they're often knocked down by the fact that you've been dealing with the little ones all along. And their priority goes down in importance. The question is always, were you really headed towards settling the big ones? Or did they just get shuffled aside by all these little mundane, insignificant things, fights and arguments? On the big ones, did you have an argument about it that never was resolved? Or maybe you didn't even have an argument because you've been so stuck on those little ones all along the way. The little ones step back and ask, did they ever matter? Were they worth the consequences? Or did they just add to the difficulties of settling the big ones, the ones that did matter? Because that really is the heart of this. We only have so much energy. We only have so much connection. And the question is how we're going to resolve the level of energy and the level of connection to add to any certain topic. And we need the connection in order to work through the big issues. But unfortunately, those little issues tend to rob us of that connection. It's kind of like you're spending your money all the time on fast food and a candy bar and drinks and all that kinds of things. Then you might not have the resources that you want for something else. You know, I remember as a child, you know, it was all about saving up my allowance. And I had two choices. I could spend it, and I often did, or I could save it up for something bigger and better down the road. And I kind of think that's the way we do life now. And so my allowance that came to me, I often, you know, went to the store and, and bought those penny candies back then. And I don't even know if they were actually penny candies, but close to penny candies back then, and I would spend a lot of my money on that. My brother, my older brother, was a bit of a saver, and so it always made me a little bit jealous when he was able to afford bigger things. Some things that really were kind of cool, and I didn't have the money for them because I had eaten the sweets and had failed to save that money. There are other times when I had a goal and I would save that money and save that money and save that money. But then my brother would go to the store, and I'd be a, a bit jealous as well because he was getting all the sweets. But that is the balance point with any resource. Do you spend a little at a time or do you save it for something big? And it's true of our connection and big events in life. Do you spin it all by little bit on arguments that don't matter, on struggles that really are insignificant and really in the grander scheme of things, the scope of life aren't significant at all? Or do you save up that connection 
and make sure you have it for those places when life actually gets tough. And that connection is actually tested because of those big events. You see, oftentimes we find ourselves constantly doing those little ones, so much so that we never get around to the big ones. So why do we get wrapped up in those little ones? Well, I think that there are three primary reasons. The first one is control. We all want control. Unfortunately, what we end up doing is we try to control the world around us. Why do we want to control? Because of fear, ultimately. Whenever I watch somebody trying to control somebody else, or when I watch somebody give up control to abdicate their control to somebody else, I know what's really operating is fear. And while it may not look like it or feel like it to the other person, that's really what's going on. There's a control piece of saying, I'm afraid of how life is going. So I've got to step in and make it go the right way. A lot of times in our culture, we're raised, you know, we raise this control thing to kind of this badge of honor. Or, you know, I've got to just make it right. Well, what they're really saying is, you know me, I've got to have it my way because I'm scared to not have it my way. And that's the nature of control. We need to call it for what it is. We try to control the things that we don't really have control over. We're reaching outside of ourselves instead of reaching within ourselves for the things we can control. But that's the big one that leads to these small arguments. We're all about trying to control that world around us. And so when there's a small argument, it's usually because I want my way. And that's what leads to those little fights about where to eat and what to do and how to have vacation and when they have sex and all those things is I want things my way. And behind that is a loss of the fact that this is really is about a partnership, being a we, a team. When you're building a we, there's not that place for control. There's not room for that because you've recognized that you've got a partner in this that you need to more, you know, move forward with together. And so we set aside control when we decide to move towards that place of being a we. But control gets in our way. The second place that we get into trouble is displaced anger. Why displaced anger? Because when we haven't processed anger, either by releasing it or moving through that, and you're dealing with the anger and getting to the bottom of it, and do remember that anger really is about hurt. It's the mask of hurt. But when we allow that anger to resonate within us, it's going to leak out somewhere else when it's not processed. One way to process it is to move back and say, okay, that's about hurt. It's about pain. And I've got to figure out how to move beyond that. The other way is to say, I've just got to let that go. I'm not going to stay in this place of anger any longer. I'm just going to release it. Either way, though, it's about finding a way through the anger instead of allowing the displaced anger to leak out in some form of reaction and behavior. So let's say you're upset about something in your relationship some big thing in your relationship. It's not safe to fight about that. So you fight about where to eat or you fight about the clothes to buy or that you fight, you know, you fight about the car to buy or the color of the walls or anything else that comes up. You're just going to put your foot down and prove that you are angry. That's another place that anger leaks out. And the other reason, and it's a big one, is disconnection. When you're disconnected, when you, you know, we don't have that level of connection with somebody, things are going to irritate us more. 
When you're already on the outs with somebody, everything they do is going to look crazy. Think about this process. When you first fall in love, there might be some things that you significant other does at that point that you find you know, really, really cute because you're really, really connected. But as that connection wanes a little bit, that same thing that you found really, really cute might irritate the heck out of you. And the differences in the level of connection when you're connected, it becomes cute again sometimes. The less connected you are, the more irritating it is. And that's just the nature of how we relate to somebody. And so part of the problem with those small things is that there's a level of disconnection. And that disconnection begins to feed the irritation. And the irritation comes out in bickering with each other, fighting with each other, arguing over things that really either don't need an argument or won't be solved through an argument. So what's important here is to note the level of insignificance, to look at something and say, is it a big deal? If it's a big deal, it needs to be faced. But it's not. if it's not a big deal, do recognize it's an insignificant thing. It's not a big deal. Decide to let it go. Look at how the conflict that comes out of those small things in the end affects and damages the relationship. Be aware of how that happens and decide that you're not going to keep up that end of it. Now, how do you do that? Well, number one, you decide to deal with all conflict, big pieces, small pieces, whatever it is, in what I call PS mode. And PS mode is problem-solving mode. PS mode is different than argument mode. Argument mode is really about two different people with two different opinions trying to convince the other person of their opinion. Problem-solving mode is how can we solve this? And I often talk in the fortified spouse that there's you, there's your wife, and then there's the relationship. It's actually three different entities. It's three different entities. So when you look at it that way, that slight change of perspective, then it's not your wife against you. It's you know you both saying, what's the best thing for the relationship? What's interesting to me is to watch couples where one person will go to the problem-solving mode and the other person wants to continue the argument, which tells me that we really like something about that argument rather than solving the issue. We just get something out of continuing that argument. So don't be that person. Decide you're going to stay in problem-solving mode. Problem-solving mode has nothing to do with the other person's personality, the other person's psychopathologies, the other person's inborn traits, the other person's family, anything about all of those personal traits. That's not what it's about. It's about the topic at hand. If you're thinking about where to go on vacation, how do you problem solve that if you're thinking about the problems in your connection? How do you get to a different place of connection? Commit yourself to PS mode, problem solving mode. You're going to get to the place where it can be solved. Ask yourself these two questions. One, does it really matter? And two, is it really worth it? And those are two very different questions. You might say, yeah, you know what? This does matter to me. I really do want pizza tonight. Then you ask yourself the second question, does it really matter? In the big picture, does it really matter? And sometimes you don't even get to that because it, in reality, it wasn't worth it because you realize it doesn't really matter. 
And so th those are two different questions to get you out of your frame of reference and really be sure that in the moment you're making a difference between those big things and those little things. So stay in problem solving mode and then ask yourself, does it matter and is it worth it? Thank you for listening. You have been listening to the podcast, Save Your Marriage by Restoring the Man. For further information, visit the Fortified Spouse at www.fortifiedspouse.com. Thank you.